welcome to the Pop Ninja Podcast, where we reminisce about the pop culture of the 70s, 80s, and beyond. From bell-bottom jeans to parachute pants, from Panama Jack shirts to members-only jackets, from Smurfs and Scooby-Doo to Thundar the Barbarian. If you had a Rubik's Cube, wore a swatch watch, was crazy about Max headroom, or ever wondered who shot JR, then this podcast is where you will feel right at home. Now, jump in the DeLorean time machine and join your hosts, Lisa and Patrick, as they take you on a pop culture adventure through the greatest decades of all time. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another totally awesome episode of the Pop Ninja Podcast. I'm Patrick Bennett, recording from the swamplands of Louisiana, and joining me over Zoom from her bed and breakfast in Pennsylvania is my co-host, Miss Lisa Everett. Hey, Lisa, how's it going? It's going great. All right. Well, today we have someone else joining us for, for our 70s and 80s discussion. Miss Billy Ray Bates is with us. Uh, Billy is a cosplayer, an author of some really cool books about 70s, 80s television, and just an all-around awesome individual. Hi, Billy. How's it going? Hi there. Thank you. It's going well, Patrick. Thank you for the opportunity to be on one of your very first podcasts here. Hi. Hi, Billy. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> now we're at the three Ps in a podcast instead of two, so glad to have you. Hey, and, and, and we know each other, so this is pretty cool that we get to yes, talk again. Yes, for a number yeah. of years. Yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah, so we, uh, we want you to just try and tell everybody, like, what, what, you're, what you do, like, what your job is, and then you can uh, tell us, like, how you got into, like, doing the, the books and everything, too. Well, I'm a writer. I've always been a writer all my life, uh, many, many years. I studied journalism in college, and I went into the newspaper business for a little while. I went into the corporate world. But all along the way, I've been a writer from a very young age, actually as a kid, <laughs> I started writing. Um, but the more pop culture oriented stuff that I've written in recent years, um, a book series that I call BRB TV, which is on um, several TV shows that I loved growing up, like particularly 1980s TV shows. I write about those. Um, and I've published a number of um, eBooks on Amazon as well about other TV shows, 70s, 80s, and even 90s. And then I do a collectible series on web on um, YouTube as well, a web series on like collectibles from TV shows, from movies, from music, from a little bit of everything, kind of a, a pop culture oriented um, collectible series too. Well, Billy, what, what made you want to start doing these books? I mean, what was that point where you said, I've just got to do this and you know, how did it all come about? Yeah, um, back in the late 90s, when this thing we call the internet was relatively new, <laughs> <laughs> more and more people going online, you know, in the mid to late 90s. I was working at the Detroit News in downtown Detroit, and um, I was starting to go online and enjoying, you know, the internet and all it entailed back then. And I realized that sites were popping up for all different sorts of things that I was a fan of. And I thought, you know, I want to try to build some websites. I loved Dallas back in the 1980s. I watched that on CBS on Friday night. Hey, 
I loved Dynasty on ABC. See, I love the Dukes of Hazzard. Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Beats all you never saw. Been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. I watched all these great TV shows and I thought, you know, I've compiled information about those over the years. So I want to build some websites and I want to share my information with other fans out there. And so that's really where it began. It was 1998 when I first started building websites and, and putting some content out there that I had compiled because I've always been a geeky girl from my teenage years. I've been a true geek. And back when I used to watch these TV shows, like Dallas and Dynasty especially, I would um, cut out stories about them in magazines, like especially the TV Guide. If there was a write-up in the TV Guide about Dynasty, I would save that. And I would even write out or I would cut out like the little synopses that were in the TV Guide because I wanted to keep them and I wanted to remember the title of each episode and when it aired and what it was about and all of that. And so that was sort of the birth of BRB TV as a teenager. And then when I started building the websites, I, I put all that information online and I just kept compiling and compiling along the way. And I got an opportunity because I was going, you know, I was in the journalism field and I had a degree in journalism. I got the opportunity to meet some of the stars of these shows. And I did started doing interviews and started compiling more information and then realized along the way that, you know, I've got enough information to start compiling books and, you know, really instead of websites to maybe put some books out there about these different TV shows. And so that's how it evolved over the years. I think I might have published the first of the BRB TV books, like around about 2004, that would have been the Dynasty book, and then the Dallas and the Dukes of Hazard. Um, later, it was Wonder Woman and Isis and the Green Hornet, and I've collaborated with my friend Will Rogers on Super Friends books. So just a wide variety of stuff I have been a fan of, and I've gotten the opportunity to write about, and I love every minute of it. <laughs> Very cool. So how many books have you actually written, like total? Well, I've also done three novels, um, so those are sort of, you know, in the other, <laughs> another genre totally unrelated to pop culture, but um, besides the novels, let me see, the BRB TV books, there is a set of six, um, and then... As far as the other ebooks, which are on some other, um, a lot of them are animated series. There was an Archie's Weird Mysteries animated series. There was a Dukes of Hazard animated series. There's been lots of Batman animated series that I've written about. Um, those are shorter works, and they were first launched under a program that Amazon had several years ago called the Amazon Shorts program, and they were designed to be just really quick reads that would be very inexpensive. And I designed my Amazon shorts to be like magazine length feature stories about each of these shows, like the Archie's Weird Mysteries show or Batman the Animated Series was another one that I wrote about. 
um, like a, a magazine length feature story about that TV show with interviews, you know, with people who are involved in the show. And then little sidebar things like, you know, the cast list or an episode guide and things like that thrown in. And they would be maybe um, 40 or 50 pages and a letter-sized document in Microsoft Word that would then be converted to a Kindle format and sold by Amazon for Kindle devices. And um, Amazon no longer does or no longer, no longer calls it the Amazon Shorts program, but um, I've called mine in that line the BRB TV reports and so there's probably, let me see, 12 or 13 of those nowadays that I've done that are the ebooks that I sort of count along with the BRB TV books, although they're not full length books. Um, they sell for like $1.50 or $2. And like I said, they're meant to be shorter reads, you know, on a certain TV show, um, just fun little stories about them. Yeah, can people go on Amazon and, and buy all of them? Are they all yeah, still on there? Yeah, if you go to Amazon and you just do a search on my name, um, they will all come up. And that's spelled uh, B-I-L-L-I-E and then mm -hmm. R-A-E-B-A-T-E-S. BRB, yeah. like be right back. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it worked out that way. I first called it BRB TV. Somebody had actually suggested it to me back in the late 90s. And I thought, well, it's kind of catchy. You know, there was MTV at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think even David Lee Roth did a music video that was like DTV or something. Yeah, he did. Right. He did. Yeah, yeah, you remember that. And yes, so I, I do. BRB TV. And so um, that's where I got it. But then as, as it evolved, as the internet continued evolving, people were using the acronym BRB for Be Right Back. And I thought, you know, that kind of works because when you're sitting there watching TV, at least back in the old days when these shows originally aired, that would go to the commercial break and it'd be like, okay, be right back. I'm going to run to the refrigerator or whatever. You know? so. Yeah, I do. So you'll, you'll be right back with another book. Right. Yeah, there's that. I do, I do BNB for bed and breakfast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Close, <laughs> but not quite. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, so uh, who all of you, what, who all have you met as a celebrity? Who, who are some of the, Oh, gosh. Um, just lots and lots of people. Um, you know, I've been doing Comic Cons for many, many years, like more than 20 years I've been going to Comic Cons, long before they became popular, <laughs> you know, back in the old days, like in the late 90s. Um, You're such so a nerd. I know, I'm truly a geek. Um, you know, there with you, though. We love it. Yeah. I, I love all of it. I mean, and I, I was with you at one of the... Um, I don't, was it a, a Monster Mania or a Chiller Theater? Was, that we were in? Um, it was a show that I could tell you the name of it, but. <laughs> no, well, Joan, Joan Collins was there. And so yes, was, yes. It so was, was a Pamela Sue Martin. In, in New Jersey that kind of remains nameless for me because um, James can tell you there were some bad things that happened that weekend. And so that there was. Were. The only time I didn't know about ever. that. Well, things malfunction. My network. Oh. I, I had a bunch of great interviews. Oh, I think I, I, I think I do, do remember yes. that. Yes. Oh, it was, the weekend kind of had a curse on it. And so I've oh. never spoken the name of the show. Oh, really? I've never gone back oh, to Oh, no. It. Oh, but I didn't know that. Okay. 
I think the one good thing of the weekend is that we got to meet up and hang out that weekend. Yeah. That very cool. Yeah, I didn't but, know you were having such a bad, bad luck. <laughs> it was um, just really I, I felt lucky because I got, to, yeah, because I got to meet you. And then, and you had a press pass and you and James were just going right up to people and yes. talking. To oh my gosh. We talked to Pamela Sue Martin. We talked yeah. to Lee Merriweather. We talked to, um, Audrey Landers. Oh my gosh. We talked to so many people. We got to see Joan Collins and all of those interviews got eaten. Oh, <laughs> they, no. oh no. I didn't. Oh, that's so what you're saying. <laughs> you don't have any of that stuff. Oh, you know what? Because I, now that you say that, I kept wondering, like, where, where, where the, were the where interviews? I, see that? Yeah. Yeah. I was able to um, glean a bunch of stuff oh, from no. my notes. Like, for, um, for the Pamela Sue Martin interview, it was so wonderful to talk to her. And I had to oh, ask Did you have it on it. video? Like, a video? Yes. It was oh. all, oh, my gosh. We shot James helped me. We shot great video that weekend. It was all going to go on my YouTube channel and it was all deleted. <laughs> but oh, yeah, no. Pamela, I, didn't instance, that. I was able to use from my notes, I was able to use a lot of it in an update of my dynasty book, um, you know, interview, basically piecing together from my notes. But for instance, I had asked her about that amazing red dress, which has like been one of my favorite dresses of all time, right up there with Scarlett O'Hara's red dress. Really? Ashley. Yes, party. I love that dress. Saying. I know exactly that's that like dress. like my very about. favorite oh, I love dress it. ever. But yeah, Fallon wore the red glittery dress on yeah. Dynasty, and then later Emma Sams wore it as um you know as Fallon but Pamela Sue Martin were and so I had to ask her about that and she said yeah it was heavy it like you know it was really heavy on me and I I just found all of that so interesting so I was able to use some of it but that was just a very strange weekend but still a lot of fun and a lot of great people we met <laughs> yeah I, I got to meet her I got to meet a Pamela Sue Martin and uh, I would I wanted her to sign something from Nancy Drew you oh know, that's what I was going to ask yeah she's yeah. the same person that played Nancy Drew yeah, yeah, she, yeah. With, with the Hardy yeah. Boys, with yeah. Yeah, Cassidy. in fact, I don't know if you've caught the newer Nancy Drew show, but she did an episode of that. She played like a um, a medium, like a psychic. On oh, really? Show. But they gave her a small role in the brand new CW. I've Nancy heard of it, but I've not seen it, so I don't yeah. know. It was a nice it. little tribute. It was great oh. to see her. Yeah. Yeah. She she said she couldn't believe that I was old enough to know what Nancy who her as Nancy Drew she thought I knew her as Fallon and I'm like, and I'm, like I'm like close to her age and she and then she's like no she said she, she, she said I had nice skin she said that um yes. she was gonna leave the Pacific uh area uh because it was wreaking havoc on her skin so uh, I, I thought that was funny but yeah. but then we went over and met Joan Collins and then Joan Collins didn't even know that Pamela Sue Martin was there and she said <laughs> my daughter is here and she's like well, I'll get her email you know and I'm like I'll go get it for you but yeah, it was funny. It's like, because how would she not know she was there? Because they they were both, you know, scheduled guests, you know. But she didn't know it. She said, "My daughter's here," you know. So well. As shows go, that one was a really big one with a lot of guests. You know, you go, that was what you would call an autograph show. You go to like a comic con and, you know, you see a lot of comic book vendors and people who are in the comic book industry. And then you see like maybe 12 media guests, they call them, who are the, you know, 
the TV stars and the movie stars and stuff. But that, that we went to that weekend in New Jersey was an actual autograph show with yeah. like, you know, 50, 60, 70 guests, something like that. And so I guess, um, you know, it probably would be fairly easy to not realize that <laughs> your castmate yeah. is there. That's yeah, really I, I cool. met a lot. That was, I think, that yeah, there was a lot of people there that weekend. I met Donna Wilkes and I met um, Andrew Stevens. There was a lot of people, and it must. I always thought that all I ever did was go to um, the to Chiller Theater and Monster Mania, but those really weren't um, those weren't scary th- people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those were <laughs> regular people. You know, it's like they weren't in horror movies. So right, what that right. Was. It's more pop yeah. culture. Yeah, I think it probably started out as more of the horror genre, but yeah, it was definitely widened to be greater pop culture. I just thought of another one: Morgan Brittany from Dallas. Oh my gosh, we interviewed her too. Oh. I'm yeah. so sick from Aww. those interviews being gone. She was so nice and so yeah. beautiful. Oh my! And, and now you can't do any um, of these events because you know I nobody's going to come out now. So it's, yes. you don't know when it's ever going to be like that again. That's right. Right like before long. the pandemic hit, it must have been February. I went up to um, Macomb County over in Metro Detroit, east side of Metro Detroit there was a show up there and two stars from Shazam, the Saturday morning Shazam, the companion series to the list that we both love. (laughs) Um, Shazam, um, Michael Gray and John Davey were there. And that was the first time I was going to see either one of them. And so I got one last show in before the pandemic and I got to do video of their panel discussion, which was amazing. They had so much great insight and that's on my YouTube channel. Chosen from among all others by the immortal elders, Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, Mercury, Billy Batson and his mentor travel the highways and byways of the land on a never-ending mission to right wrongs, to develop understanding, and to seek justice for all. In time of dire need, young Billy has been granted the power by the immortals to summon awesome forces at the utterance of a single word. which transforms him in a flash into the mightiest of mortal beings, Captain Marvel. Patrick had both of them on his Lake Charles yeah. film Yeah, I had Michael and John here with me in October. I brought them in from my uh, Lake Charles film festival here in Louisiana. Ah, yeah. They stayed the whole weekend with me. We got to hang out. And oh, neat. And they had both of their wives with them. So that was, that was really, really cool. Yeah, that is very cool. Yeah, yes. Billy Ray, I, I don't, I can't believe like you're old enough to like know this stuff because you look like you're like 16. Well, old. I was just going to say the same about you, you know, when, when Pamela Sue Martin said that, yeah, she was, she was totally right to think, no, aren't you like 30, 35? Uh, um, yeah, like when I see, I see some of your outfits that you wear at the shows, I'm like, I want a Batgirl outfit so bad. But I could never <laughs> wear that look like you do in it. And I'm like, I keep wondering, like, where you get your outfits at? Because there's some cute ones. They're really cute. Did you, like your Batgirl one, do you, did you have somebody make it for you or? No, that you- is a Ruby's costume. Um, Ruby's the company name they produce I think they got the license for that um, Adam West 1966 Batman series I think they have like the other costumes in that series besides the Batgirl character but I just ordered the Batgirl one online um, you know over the internet if I had that I'd wear that to clean my house in yeah (laughs) I love it Uh, the purple I love it It and then you, you, you you must be do every redheaded character 
I, I'm working on was. it. Yes. I'm really working on it because I have um, Daphne from Scooby-Doo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that have, is cute. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And I have Wilma Flintstone too. Yep. I know. I'm like looking at all these pictures. <laughs> she, has, she has done every single famous redhead that you that was in anything, that, you know, from the 70s and 80s. Well, Billy, you've written all these books about TV shows. Do, do you have a favorite TV show of all time? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I really loved Twin Peaks. And I don't know if it maybe it would be a cross between Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks has always just been that show for me. You know, it just really, really, I, I've always loved that show. But also The Twilight Zone. But the original in the 1960s with Rod Serling, because he was just such a trailblazer and such a master and an amazing writer and he really pioneered that um, twist ending for a television program you know to kind of lead you along a certain path and then all of a sudden the last minute twist and it's something completely different and I, I loved that. Billy you did a book on Wonder Woman did you ever get to meet Linda Carter? I have not no you know I living spending all my time when I lived full-time in D.C. She lives in Montgomery County, the last I knew. And I lived in Montgomery County for four years. I lived in Wonder Woman's County. <laughs> and she really was not making appearances. I know, um, you know, our, our friend James had gotten a chance to meet her at, at something that she went to. I don't know if it was the White House Correspondents Dinner or something, or maybe he just saw her perform. He got a chance to meet her. And, and actually, I was able to use, he offered, you know, me to use his photos. But did you know, did you ever hear the story about that she found a dead body? <laughs> no. Yeah, there's a whole story that she was out on a, her, a boat by herself and she found a dead body in the, in the river. There's a, I guess you'd have to look it up, this, the actual story. But I was like, she, she is a Wonder Woman, you know? Yeah. I'm sure she was tempted to go find the bad guys or yeah. find out what happened. <laughs> stand-in who did all her stunts for the show he, he knew her. yes I was able to interview her for the super chicks book too yeah she was a really nice lady yeah um yeah so the super chicks book uh, you, you you got to talk to Joanna Cameron too because didn't didn't I tell her to Yes, we had a phone conversation. Um, yeah, she was so nice. Yeah, we talked and she called me from Hawaii. And I, that was another thing I was going to ask you, Lisa, is if you have talked to her recently, I yeah. still want to someday go to Hawaii because she invited to, you know, invited me out there and said she would take me around. And that's a really long plane ride for me. <laughs> yeah, it is for me. I, I, don't fly anymore. Actually, the, only, the last time I ever flew was when I was a travel agent. I flew to Hawaii because um, my boss sent me there. But but she's invited me many times too. But I think they had their hotel up for sale, and I'm not sure she's even there anymore. Um, she's kind of yeah. working back in the home health the health field now. But um, 
But she, yeah, she had even called me one time and left a message on my answering machine about how she had had it all figured out that I could get to Hawaii without even flying. And she said, yeah, I could take the train to California, get on a boat to Hawaii, then she'd come get me in her car. <laughs> you know, and it was like, I'm like, why don't you just fly to Pennsylvania? You know, it's like, I mean, you could, she could, she could really fly. I was like, um, you know, joking about that, but I'm like, you, you don't even need a plane. You can fly, you know, just tell them when, when to bring you here. She was like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Okay. I think she, you know, thinks like, um, you know, whatever, you know, that was a job to her, you know, it was like, it was everything to me. I was like, she, I idolized all of that stuff, you know, but it was just her job. So that's what's so weird when you talk to people um, that, that um, you, you idolize then. And now that you find out they're just regular people, you know, it's like, like everybody else, but but yep. in your mind, in yep. your mind, they're really still, that's really Wonder Woman and that's really ISIS, so. Oh, my queen, said the royal sorcerer to Hatshepsut, with this amulet, you and your descendants are endowed by the goddess Isis with the powers of the animals and the elements. You will soar as the falcon soars, run with the speed of gazelles, and command the elements of sky and earth. 3,000 years later, a young science teacher dug up this lost treasure and found she was heir to the secrets of Isis. And so, unknown to even her closest friends, Rick Mason and Rennie Carroll, she became a dual person. Andrea Thomas, teacher. Almighty Isis. And Isis, dedicated foe of evil, defender of the weak, champion of truth and justice. Billy, you did a book about Dallas. Uh, let's, let's talk about Dallas for a little bit. Okay, so the two of you both have a connection to Dallas. Like, Patrick, you lived in Dallas, didn't you? I did for a while, for almost a yeah. decade. And then, and then Billy Ray wrote the book about Dallas. So um, I wondered if either one of you had been, ever been to South Fork. You know, I, I always wanted to go. I knew it was there. I even looked up their website a few times, but I just never, never made it out there. And, and shame on me because I, I would have really enjoyed that. You know, uh, I didn't really watch all the, the kind of soap opera type nighttime shows, but I, I knew about them. I probably saw a couple of episodes of Dallas. I mean, I knew who Larry Hagman was from I Dream, Dream of Jeannie and uh, Patrick Duffy from uh, Man from Man Atlantis. From, yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, I, the, the couple episodes I did see, I, I liked the cowboy hats and the suits and the cigars and all, you know, the fancy cars and stuff. But uh, I was more of a Miami Vice kind of guy. I have not gotten to South Fork yet. It is on my list. You know, they've even had some Dallas events there where they've had cast members for meet and greets there. And I really wanted to go. I just have not made it happen yet. South Fork Ranch was really nice to me when I was putting the book together. They offered um, some use of some photos of the ranch and they, they do put on a nice, um, you know, fan experience there if you do visit South Fork. Everybody always says, oh, it's so much smaller when you actually go there. It looks so big on TV. But, you know, that's true of a lot of sets for TV shows, too. They always look way different when you're actually there. But, but yeah, they were really nice to me, and I definitely wanted to go there. I just have not made it happen yet. 
Okay, from the the original Dallas series, uh, even if you weren't a fan of Dallas, when they did that whole who shot Jr. cliffhanger, everybody got involved. You know, I, little kids on the playground was going up saying who shot Jr. You know, everybody yeah. and their grandma was wanting to know who shot Jr. and who's Jr. <laughs> so Billy Ray, who did you think shot Jr.? You know, I don't think I even had a guess. I just wanted to find out. And I, I don't think I thought it was Kristen because they set it up so well to be in a, an array of people, of different people, different right. Yeah, she was barely in there, I think. Yeah, like, I thought it was Sue Ellen. Yeah, Sue Ellen was the much-suffering wife, that is for sure. He would have deserved it from her. But that whole cliffhanger was so ingenious because people didn't watch it were, were getting interested. I, I don't know the, uh, the statistics, but I imagine when that next season came on, that first episode, it, it was probably the, the viewings was probably yeah, through the roof. Um, yeah, I think, I, mean, I don't even think it was the first episode. They let it roll out for a few episodes, but yeah. that episode was one of the most watched episodes. Yeah, that was very yeah, it smart. It was like the highest rated like opening yeah. like for any show at the time yeah, of it, its time. It was just, it was for its time. It was just, to like a billion, a zillion billion people. I don't know, whatever. It was, it yeah. was just so many like people um, that and, were into it that didn't even watch the show, but they yeah, wanted to know who shot yeah. Jr. And right? Even yeah. if you, you didn't watch the show, but you were walking around with the "Who Shot Jr." T-shirt or a right. sticker, you know, it was, it, was, yeah. it was fabulous the way they did it. Did the actors film on a set in Hollywood and then just they just added in the uh, shots of the ranch later, or or did the actors actually uh, film on location? at the ranch okay. yeah um it, it they all flew there like to film dallas um in actual dallas i i, I remember hearing that and reading about it um what like from the making of it it was actually filmed in dallas so i don't know what they did if they cast all like had to live there you know during the if they went home well, on they, the weekends they um, they shot some scenes there, um, especially in the earlier episodes, from what I understand. And then they did have other sets. And then you can see, like a lot of the, and I'm sure Patrick would have would have spotted this too. You know, they use the city skyline. They use the, oh, yeah. the city um, the city shots for exteriors. You know, there's that one famous building where when the lights are on, they like form a pattern on the side of the building. And I know it has a name. I think it starts with an R and I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, I, I know the building you're talking about. Renaissance or something like that building. But it's like the, a very well-known building in Dallas. And they showed that building a lot, you know, in the series too. So you know that they used a lot of city shots for exteriors and, you know. Yeah, I was just... Watching the, the, the opening uh, music for Dallas, I just rewatched it just because we're doing all this. And I remembered how much I, I did a baton twirling like uh, routine to the music from Dallas because it was such a <laughs> huge, um, you know, it was on every, every Friday night at 10 o'clock. And I was a huge Dallas watcher. I didn't watch Dynasty until I got like older now. Like I, I, I bought it on uh, DVD and, and have seen it since then. But I was just playing the, the music for Dynasty too. And those shows like they're like theme music. All of them were like, there's you, as soon as you hear the music, come on. It's like you get goosebumps. You know, you, it's, it's so nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very recognizable. Right. It's just like, same, same, same with Dukes of Hazard. I mean, it, it's iconic, you know, and, and, and Dukes of Hazard kind of doesn't, 
I mean, it kind of, it goes with Dallas and Dynasty because of, it begins with a D, <laughs> I guess. And, and, uh, and, and it, it, you know, a country, maybe, like Dallas is yeah, you know, in the South. Well, there was a big crossover, and there is a big crossover of fans um, from Dukes to Dallas because they were on the same night, you know, on CBS. And so there are a lot of Dukes fans that loved Dallas. Right. I can see them too connected. There are yeah. a lot of Dallas fans like the Dukes, but there definitely are a lot of Dukes fans that love Dallas. <laughs> right, but how did you branch off from Dallas and Dynasty and the nighttime soaps to go over to Dukes of Hazard? Because the Dukes of Hazard, I watched it too, and my brother, like, just it was like his favorite show, one of his favorite shows, and Patrick yeah, too, but it's it's, more a boy show, you know, yeah. I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, I remember, I totally remember that even even like the night that the Dukes of Hazard premiered because I had seen the commercials for it and I thought oh that show sounds so cool it looks so cool I'm gonna watch that and so I was there for the very first episode and I guess it appealed to me because it reminded me so much of where I was living when I was growing up I grew up in a very rural area in mid-Michigan and it looked like Hazard County there were lots of dirt roads gravel roads you know <laughs> there were lots of countryside and so it reminded me of where I was, my point of perspective back then. And then, you know, as far as Dallas and Dynasty, you know, I think I was, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was there for the very first episodes of, of all of those shows. And they're so diverse, but it's just like different, um, different aspects of our human culture that these TV shows show us. And I was a fan of all of them, even though the audience for each one of those shows is a little different. Like, especially when you're talking Dynasty and then contrasting it with the Dukes of Hazzard, those are two completely different audiences. But, but yeah, sometimes it happens where <laughs> the same person likes both. It seems yeah, the, the Dukes of Hazzard, it kind of appealed to everybody. I mean, Kids loved it. Parents loved it. Grandparents loved it. Everybody liked something different about it. You know, I remember, mm -hmm. I remember my uh, my grandparents liked Boss Hog and Roscoe, and and my dad was you know Daisy Duke, <laughs> and then I liked it because of the car, you know, and, and Bo and Duke. I mean, how they would slide over the hood and they'd jump in through the windows and yeah, and you know they what, would Lisa, jump you rivers and jump cars. That was all really cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think, Lisa, you are right that um, it did appeal to little boys. Like my cousin, my my male cousin, Jimmy, would watch Dukes of Hazzard, too. And we would always, when we got together on Sundays, we would always talk about what the Dukes of Hazzard episode was like on Friday night. But, you know, and, and even nowadays, going to Dukes events or meeting with other fans, they are predominantly male fans. I can tell you that. And, and I can tell you that, like, usually you know, what you see at events, it's like guys and they love the car, like Patrick, what you said, they love the car. Oh, yeah. And I think when I watched as a little girl, like I said, it was the appeal of Hazard County itself that really drew me in. And I liked Daisy. I wanted to be like Daisy, you know, as a oh, little yeah. girl, and I think little boys, they, they love the car and then they just wanted to date Daisy. So, <laughs> <Okay>. you know, <laughs> exactly. Or maybe they just were not interested at that point and they just wanted to be like Bo and, and Luke. And no, they were, they were interested because my brother was yeah. um i don't know 12 or 13 maybe when it came out and he was definitely interested in daisy duke so oh yeah I she was a hot yeah. tamale <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, 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 do you, what do you think about the remakes though of the shows that they all of these shows i i know they read well they they um had a new dallas right like they did um yeah 
Um, you know, I'll tell you, all these classic TV shows, it seems like they've come around again with either a new TV show or a movie. And it seems like all of the movies have failed because you have Dukes of Hazard. None of the Dukes of Hazard fans liked that 2005 movie. You've got Starsky and Hutch. None of the Starsky and Hutch fans really liked the movie. You know, even A-Team, there's so many of those classic TV shows. They tried making a movie out of them and they tried making them in a comedy. Green Hornet is another example. Oh, no yeah. Green Hornet fans liked that Green Hornet movie no, <laughs> that was out a few years ago. But when you talk Dallas and Dynasty, and there was talk at one time about doing a big screen um, remake of Dallas, and that never happened. And instead, um, TNT launched a Dallas reboot. And I feel like, oh my gosh, they really got that right because they could have taken either approach. They could have taken the same approach that Dynasty did a couple years later in that you just recast the whole thing and you recreate it from scratch but instead they did um, what some people call a reboot in that they continued the series with the same actors yeah, I like, like that Patrick oh my gosh it was amazing and they did it just so well and it's a shame they didn't give it some more time after Larry Hagman passed to really continue because yeah. I really felt it could have because because at the time, I remember Patrick um, Duffy had done an interview, um, Bobby Ewing had done an interview where he said, well, you know, it's got us old guys on it, but the, the younger characters, they're doing the heavy lifting. And it was really accurate in that they had JR on it, they had Bobby on it, they threw in Cliff and, you know, even Afton and a few other characters from the original show. But they tried to focus as much as possible on um, John Ross and Christopher and the younger characters so that it would have legs and it would carry on. And I really felt it could have because the actors that they had playing, John Ross and Christopher in particular, are dynamite actors. I mean, absolutely fabulous actors. And I really wish, like I said, that they would have given it some more time after they lost Larry Hagman. It's really See, I didn't even know Larry Hagman was still alive then when they filmed the new one. I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. I want to say two seasons plus a few episodes before he I, passed. I and then, um, but just, just an amazing, I, I think the series was just so well done. I was just gripped every minute, every second of it, watching it. And then on the other hand, you have the Dynasty reboot on the CW, which I also, you know, I've, I hear a lot of fans say, fans of the original Dynasty that just pan it, they hate it. But I love it because even though it's taken the opposite approach and that it's completely recasted and completely given you new actors and actresses and new season and um, actually a new look, it's very savvy, it's very um, advanced compared to the original. And I think it's pretty well written. And it's just really snazzy to look at. It's beautiful to look at with all the costumes and the way the house looks and everything. And I actually think it's well done. And especially the character of Fallon. Um, I don't know, Lisa, have you watched that CW series? No, I, I didn't even know they did that. I, I'm like, I, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, um, it's the third season now. I think it just ended its second or third it's season. It's still on TV but, uh, now? Yeah, I'm the CW. And um, there's an actress named Elizabeth Gillies who plays Fallon, and she is the star of the show, hands down. She just, like, just engulfs every scene she's in. She is so amazing to watch, and she's so beautiful. And what they put on her, as far as wardrobe, is amazing. I mean, I just sit there and watch in awe at the costumes of this show. And so, so it's an, I it's think... 
Yeah. It's taking place like right now, right? Like it's in a, this. Yes, this. it's a modern show. Yeah. Cell phones and internet and all of that. Oh. <laughs> you know? hey, that totally and turns me off right there. But yeah, okay. But yeah. you know, it takes everything from the original. And this may be what puts fans off a little bit, fans of the original, because they take all of the elements of the original and they give them a twist. And um, one thing that they do really well is a much more diverse cast. You know, I think Aaron Spelling was criticized back in the day because he did not have very very diverse cast on a lot of his shows. But this one, it's got a mix of everybody. You see every variety of person on there, which is wonderful to see. But then um, they they take the characters and they twist them like Sammy Joe, who was originally played like the by the beautiful Locklear back in the 80s, is now played by a a young male Hispanic actor. <laughs> and so they make, like they change the gender of one of the characters and they give everything a twist. It's set in Atlanta instead of Denver. And um, the name of the company, the Carrington Company is Carrington Atlantic. You know, everything's got a little bit of a twist. So it's different, but I think it's pretty well done. So I recommend it. <laughs> What, but you, but but the um, like, what about the Dukes of Hazard movie remake? What did you think of that remake? <laughs> yeah, no? Patrick, why are you saying that? <laughs> 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 okay, yeah, stinks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What did you see it? Did either of you watch it? I, I watched it. Hated it. Uh, see, yeah, I went, I, I, when Ben Jones. Yeah. Uh, when ben, jo ben, ben Jones had played Cooter, he come out and said about how uh, against it he kind of was because he said that they they didn't smoke pot on the show. I mean, they were good old boys. Yeah. They weren't bad, bad old boys. They were good old boys. You know, it's like they but just I, turned I them into like a, a mess. Yeah, I was going to use that illustration. That probably is the best illustration of how it, it was not a faithful remake or even, you know, uh, any kind of faithful incarnation yeah, because, of it. Yeah, yeah because ahead. they were actually good role models, too, like everybody else that was on TV back then, is the Duke boys were good guys, you know, they, they you would, you know, you would let your little kids watch that show. It was, yeah, they were good you know, old moonshine runners. A bunch of what? Yeah, they, they did. They, I mean, yeah, they blew up some stuff and they, uh, you know, you know, uh, they, they were speeding, I'm sure, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's like, they broke a few laws, you know, it's, um, I mean, that's why they had, uh, the police involved. I mean, that's why Roscoe was there because I guess they did break. Uh, I mean, they were both laws, on but... probation too. That, that's why they had bow and uh, arrows. They didn't carry guns. Uh, okay. Oh, that's true. Okay. Never mind. I haven't seen it for a long time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, forget I said all that. But, um, but yeah, but I still, <laughs> what I remember from it was that it was still, uh, um, it, it, all of that stuff was still kind of innocent. Then yeah, Uncle Jesse like, kept them in line. Yeah, it, yeah. Everybody had to have Uncle Jesse and Uncle Denver. Pyle was awesome. He was, oh, he was, he was great, great on yeah. Grizzly Adams, too. I loved him. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about John Schneider for a minute. John Schneider Studios, is he's here in Louisiana now. He moved here a few years back, and uh, he, he bought, it was an old uh, camp, like a kid's camp that had all the cabins and the houses and stuff. And anyway, he bought it, and it's now John Schneider Studios. He's up around uh, Baton Rouge, little ways out of Baton Rouge. But uh He's got like 50 something acres and there's a swamp on it. A river runs through it. Uh, 
It's got an Asian bamboo forest. He should have made a camp for kids that want to come and learn how to be. Well, no, this is his business now. It's, it's his movie studio. And, yeah. and he, he's making yeah, movies one a year. He's cranking them out. He just yeah. released, uh, I don't know if y'all saw it. It was called Christmas Cars. It was a yeah. Christmas Yes, I have that. I bought the yeah. DVD. And he's working on one now called Step On It. It's kind of a cross between Dukes of Hazard and uh, Smokey and the Bandit. And anyway, mm -hmm. he's filming it now. But but he puts on these festivals there every year. He just did one here about two weeks ago. It's his. Uh, it was mm -hmm. his sixtieth birthday party, and he invited all these uh, actors and, and musicians. And it was like a big festival called Bo's Extravaganza. Well, anyway, he jumped yeah, this uh, car over a river and filmed it live for his new movie, but he's doing a lot. And uh, I, I talked to him one year, I was trying to get him to come to my film festival. He's, he's so busy. So he let me do a, a phone interview with him and I, I did like a little blog, but he also put up a prize for my uh, festival and, and the, the short film category, the winner of it at the festival, the prize was they got to use his studio for a weekend to film a short film there. That's it's awesome. Just, it's pretty cool that he's here now. Yeah. Yeah, it was an awesome prize. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know, Patrick, if you've seen The Haves and Have Nots by Tyler Perry. Yeah, I know he's on there. We talked about it uh, in my, that interview I did with him. Yeah, he's amazing on that. That is one of my favorite shows nowadays. I love Tyler Perry anyways. I could go yeah. on. Yeah. But that is a, a really good show, and he is somebody who just kind of eats up every scene he's in. He's very captivating as a bad guy in that. Yeah. <laughs> Playing the villain, that's right. Yeah, it's like what, a J.R. Ewing play. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that show like a kind of like a soap? Like a, one of the, like, like. The, it is a soap. Yeah, yeah, it is a soap. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of a guilty pleasure. <laughs> it's kind of like what Melrose Place was back in the 90s. Nobody really wanted to admit that they were watching it, but they were watching every second. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. I mean, those were, I, I forgot about those coming into the 90s, like the Melrose Place and the Beverly Hills 90210. And the, I didn't really even think of them as a soap, I guess. But yeah. Back back in the 70s, we had we had shows and movies like Dukes of Hazzard, Smoking the Bandit, BJ and the Bear. Remember, remember uh, Convoy? Anyway, they all made CBs uh, super cool. Yeah. Us, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Did y'all's families have CBs when you were growing up? Mine did not but i know what you're talking about there were a lot of 70s trends back then that i yeah. noticed in 70s television that weren't really repeated um but yeah cbs were definitely huge back then yeah we had a cb club and I, it's funny because i just was talking to my mom last night because i was trying to remember some of the people's handles you know that they had because my dad was he he did construction and his his name was burly bear because it was some sort of um uh, glove that they made back then. And then my mom, her name was Strawberry because she had uh, red hair and freckles. So um, another redhead. Yeah. So then, then we were talking about the different CB handles because um, we had one, one guy who was named the preacher and he was a real preacher. He actually married my aunt Sharon and my uncle Jay. But the, some of the CB handles that I remembered um, I were just like the Eagle, Frosty Lady, Soda Pop. And then my mom, I was talking to her and she was like, yeah, remember Raisin Cookie? And I'm like, no. It's <laughs> you know, like, there was somebody named Raisin Cookie that was, that was their handle. She's like, yeah, it was, it, she was this really nice lady. I'm like, but that's what, how people talk. They didn't have the internet. My CB handle when I was a kid was Ghost Rider. I remember having a kid's book I got at the book fair. Um, it was all about CB slang. Had like, you know, Breaker 1-9, 10-4, What's Your 20, all that kind of stuff. 
it was written for kids. Uh, it was pretty cool. The the cover art for for your books, you know, I guess we could segue into that. You know, it's like it's so cool, yeah. and that is that you know that that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about is is um, the the man that did your cover art. You know, I know you said you yeah, Dale. Yeah, yeah, um, and how that <laughs> came about. Um, you know, I was researching the Super Chicks book, um, which is, which really was an evolution. I had done a BRB TV report on Kindle on Isis, and I had done one on Wonder Woman, shorter reports. And then I thought, you know, I could combine these, I could compile it with a bunch of other information and make a book out of it. And so that's where Super Chicks came from. It really was taking those BRB TV reports and adding them a bunch of content to them and publishing them as a print book. Um, but I was researching the Wonder Woman show and rewatching all the episodes and et cetera. And I came across an artist, I think it was on Facebook. His name was Dale, Dale Cuthbertson. I contacted him because he had drawn this beautiful art of Wonder Woman. And he's a huge fan of Linda Carter. He's met her in real life and he's a huge Wonder Woman fan. And so I contacted him and asked him, hey, can I use this art in my book? And, you know, as we got to talking, I you know, I had him, I asked him to design the cover for the Super Chicks book. And he did such an amazing job. And I'm here I am looking at the rest of my book covers, which I had cobbled together myself in graphic design, you know, in a in a very graphic design clunky way, because I am a graphic designer, but I am not an artist. And so I thought, you know, this really makes the rest of my covers look terrible. And so I asked him one by one to redesign all of the covers, the Dynasty, the Dallas, the Dukes. Um, and then even moving on after that, he did the Super Friends covers and the Green Hornet cover, my most recent book. And they're all in the same style now. They look amazing. Um, he just recreates the images of the characters from these TV shows and they really pop and they're just absolutely beautiful. So I can't say enough good things about Dale. He works out of, I think he's still in Baltimore. He wasn't in Baltimore at one time, but yeah, look him up. He's great. Well, Billy, what's your next book going to be? You got any ideas? Um, well, actually, the past three years, I have been working on something in a completely different genre, the true crime genre. And I'm just in the, um, the stage of, of sort of wrapping that up. I've got a, an initial draft that I need to finalize. And then once that is done, I'm going to start on the next PRB TV book. And I don't really want to tip my hand. I'll just say it's a 1970s series <laughs> that I am really looking forward to immersing myself in. Oh. I think oh. it's chips. <laughs> I cannot confirm or okay, uh, okay, all right. I'm just going to put it out there and say I think it's chips, but you know. BJ and the Bear. Yeah, BJ the Bear. Starsky and Hutch, yeah. Um, I, I never watched Starsky and Hutch in the 70s and just started watching it like when my son was um, younger and I loved it. It's just like how you said about chips. You didn't watch it during that time period, but you're watching it now and it's awesome. You know, it's still yeah, you gain a whole new appreciation for these shows. You really do. Yeah, and it and it's like it's neat to see what like life was like back then because those shows were uh, filmed in like you know that time the, the time period of whatever we were living in. So like when you look around and you see like signs and you know like see what sometimes you get to see like what the gas price was on you know they, they pass past a, a gas station or something you know and you see like things that. That don't exist anymore it's it's that's kind of cool to me too well lisa we're getting to the end of our podcast you want to go ahead and tell the listeners what the prize is this week 
this week for our prize that we're, we're, we are giving away to one of our listeners, um, you can go on our Facebook page, Pop Ninja, and the code word is Dynasty. Send us a message and say the code word Dynasty, and you will get a chance to win one of Billy Ray's books. Uh, you will get a choice between the Dallas book or the Green Hornet book, and that she is going to personally autograph them. So they're completely different books, so it gives people, uh, you know, a choice between them. And, and I want to thank Billy Ray for coming on and talking to us. And, Definitely. And, and, and for donating the book. That's awesome. Oh, we yeah, really appreciate great. it. Thank you so Thanks much. Thank you for the opportunity. It's fun. I want to thank all of our listeners out there. Make sure you join us next week for our next episode of Pop Ninja Podcast. And as we sign off for this episode, I want to leave you with a final thought. There was an old saying in Hazard County that will help you through anything that comes your way in life. Keep it between the ditches. Well, that's just a little bit more than the whole of life.